So this weekend, we are very excited to talk to you about understanding your teenager's world. And before we get into that, uh, we are going to share some statistics with you about uh, technology usage in the home. Because one thing we want to stress today is that understanding your teenager's world actually starts with understanding that their world starts with you at mm. home. You need to take responsibility for the world of your teenagers and hopefully today we're going to give you some good ways to start doing that. That's right. So just right off the top, a couple disclaimers about what this is and what it isn't. Uh, this should be the beginning of a discussion. This isn't a how-to or answers for specific situations. Uh, we just want to brush through the surface of these topics. And obviously, we aren't experts on raising teens. Uh, we don't own any teens. <laughs> uh, but we're just people who love our teenagers and are fairly involved in the teens' lives in this church. Uh, and as well, we want to be uh, just sensitive about the fact that we will be bringing up some potentially triggering material as we talk about issues of mental health, including uh, self-harm and suicide. Mm -hmm. So just be aware that that's coming down the line. So to start, I just want to quickly share this book with you all. This book is by Andy Crouch. It's called The TechWise Family, and it's a really excellent resource for controlling or learning to control technology usage in your home. And this relates so much to social media usage and like mental health. So we're, I want to start with this mm. and just give you some statistics that Andy Crouch shares in his book. Um, but yes, look at this, buy it, you need it. <laughs> So Andy Crouch says 78% of parents today feel like or believe that raising children is more complicated today than it was when they were kids. 65% of those parents say technology and social media usage make parenting harder. He says that 60% of adults or parents say they never take breaks from social media. 68% of families say family members bring their phones or other devices to family meals. 89% mm. say that they or their spouse take calls or check texts or do something else on their phone during a family meal. 56% say their children take calls or text or do something else on their phone during a family meal. And parents say that their uh, kids or teenagers spend an average of five hours a day on an electronic device during a typical weekday. So that's at least an average of five hours of screen time. Wow. 62% of parents check their phone within the first hour of being awake during the day. And 74% of those parents are checking emails, 51% are sending or reading texts, and 48% are checking social media. 70% of parents say they sleep with their phone next to them. And according to parents, 72% of their preteens sleep with their phone next to them and 82% of their teens sleep with their phone next to them. So you've given us some stats on social media and tech, but what is different now for our teens? And then what does that mean for parents and guardians? Uh, like what do they need to know about the changes taking place in our teenager's world? So millennials, which would be, you know, Ethan and I, we were dubbed the selfie generation. Mm. Uh, but Gen Z's, who are our teenagers now, they're not focused on selfies. They're actually more likely to showcase their accomplishments or their families. Um, and I also want to point out too, something that's different is when we say social media, we don't mean Facebook. Only half of today's teenagers use Facebook. So when we say social media, we mean platforms like TikTok, and Snapchat and Instagram and YouTube. 
And another thing that's different is the way that companies and corporations get information about people. Mm. So social media is not free. Just because you signed up for a free account does not mean that it's free. You are the product and you are the commodity and your teenagers are the commodity and the product and somebody somewhere is making money off of that. Mm. And social media and your phone, they are designed psychologically to hook you in and to keep you and to fish you for information. Mm -hmm. And it feeds you what you want. It shows you the ads of stuff you want to buy and it helps you focus and engage your mind on your wants and not your needs. Mm -hmm. And that's why our teenagers so desperately need social media boundaries. So I guess, what do we do with this information? What, what information can you give us to help us better grasp what we're dealing with? So there are studies out there that show extended screen time, especially extended screen time on social media. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm thinking two or more hours a day exponentially grows the rate of teenagers thinking about suicide from single digits to double digits. Mm -hmm. And while that doesn't mean social media causes suicidal thoughts, people who have suicidal thoughts or are prone to depression might typically spend more time on social media than their peers and it just kind of becomes this circle of awfulness. Mm. Mm -hmm. And particularly if teens feel like they have no one to talk to uh, in like their real world in person about their struggles, they will and are turning to social media. They're turning to online platforms, they're turning to online support groups and you don't get to vet who is on there. So it, it's just so important for us to be well equipped in that. Mm -hmm. um, and it is important to note as well that there are conflicting studies out there. So while some studies do show uh, a relationship between the increase of suicidal thoughts and extended social media usage, there are other studies out there that also contradict that. So draw your own conclusions there thoughtfully and critically. Um, there is a relationship, there is some correlation to what extent it's hard to say right now, social media is still so brand new. So here's some more statistics for you on social media and teenage usage. Almost all teenagers today have access to a smartphone and internet, mm. and they use social media, almost all of them. 81% mm -hmm. of teenagers ages 13 to 17 interviewed in a Pew Research survey said that social media helps them feel connected with their friends. 69% of teenagers said it helps them interact with a more diverse group of people, so they feel that social media is expanding their worldview uh, to include more diversity. And because of social media, 68% feel they have people who will support them through tough times. Hmm. On the flip side, 45% said they feel overwhelmed by drama. 43% said they feel pressure to only post content that makes them look good to others. And 37% said they feel pressure to post content that will get a lot of likes and comments. 44% mm. of teens say they unfriend or unfollow people. And 70% of those teens will digitally disconnect with someone because they either created too much drama or because uh, that person bullied them or others. And so it's important to note here, I think this is really interesting, that teens won't unfollow you because you post religious things or political things that are different from what they believe. They'll unfollow you or unfriend you because you're dramatic or you're a bully. Hmm. And 41% of teenagers say they have too many obligations to spend time with their friends in person outside of school, or they have uh, friends who say they are too busy as well. And six in 10, six in 10 teens uh, will spend time with their friends online daily or on a near daily basis. Like, so more, more and more teenagers are spending time with their friends online instead of in person. All right.
So then what's the takeaway? Where are we going with all this information? So again, I just want to say, parents, make sure your teenager's world is your world. Mm. It's one thing to know about who their friends are at school, um, but it's another to know who they're engaging with online. Mm -hmm. Know who they're talking to online and make sure you have an open dialogue with them about the dangers of too much screen time, the effect of screen time on mental health, and the way that social media orients them away from in-person contact. Mm -hmm. And make sure they know that they have support in person and in real life and take responsibility for your own social media usage and tech habits and take responsibility for your teenagers. Absolutely. If you have bad habits, your teenagers are going to have bad habits. Yeah. And when you provide them with a device and internet access, you're opening a whole new world for them. Mm -hmm. So you need to take responsibility for it. And two, take them to the Bible. <laughs> the online world isn't going anywhere and it's likely only going to become more commonplace. So make sure your teenagers are learning biblical principles that will help guide their conduct online. Mm. And so here are some verses I wanna share with you that to just encourage you. So 1 Corinthians 10, 13, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. And when you're tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure parents, you are the way out for your teenagers. When they are tempted online by porn or to bully someone or they're being bullied and they don't know how to get out, you are the way out of that temptation for them. You are the God-given provision uh, so that they can endure. Yeah, absolutely. And Ephesians 4.29, don't use foul language, uh, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. So that's just a good rule of thumb for online conduct. And Psalm 119.9, how can a young person stay pure? By obeying your word. So make sure your teenagers know what God expects of them. Know, uh, help them learn biblical principles for obeying God. Hmm. And Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Your teenagers need to know that their online life, that their in-person life, that everything they do is subject to the lordship of Jesus Christ, mm. and that that's the best possible path for them. So make sure that they learn these biblical principles as they engage online. So we've talked a little about social media and uh, technology usage in the home and uh, maybe some of those negative impacts on mental health. Um, and so obviously this field of mental health is gigantic, mm -hmm. um, but we wanted to talk a little bit about that today as well. So um, Ethan, uh, mental health and our teenagers, can you just talk a little bit about the statistics on that? Absolutely. Let's talk about stats, baby. So I'm gonna talk about two main sources today, but there's more, and I would love it if you would contact us and talk to us about our resources. You can look into their methodology for compiling these stats. The first one is from teenmentalhealth.org, and they state that one in five young people, specific to this study, 12 to 25 years of age, suffer from a mental illness. And then from childmind.org, which is the website for the Child Mind Institute, uh, depression and bipolar is disorder affect 14.3% of youth aged 13 to 17. Between the ages of 13 to 18, mood disorders nearly double from 8.4% to 15.4%. 31.9% of 13 to 
of adolescents will meet criteria for an anxiety disorder by the age of 18. And between the years 2005 to 2014, the amount of teens per year to experience a depressive episode rose by 37%. High school students today have more anxiety symptoms and are twice as likely to see a mental health professional than teens in the 1980s. 5,000 adolescents in the United States die by suicide every year. And the amount that struggle with suicidal thoughts or attempt and don't succeed is even higher. Uh, 600,000 U.S. youth require medical attention for self-injury, and this is only those who go to hospital and are correctly recorded as having inflicted the harm on themselves, and the undocumented cases would just be astronomically higher. 46.5% of a large study on adolescents revealed hurting themselves within the past year. Recent studies show that teens and young adults that spend the most time on Instagram, Facebook, or other social media platforms are shown to have 13 to 66% higher rate of reported depression than those who spent the least time. And again, as Alyssa had stated, correlation doesn't always mean causation, but in this case, it seems much more than likely since depression increased along with the rise of smartphone use as well, uh, and as Alyssa had already mentioned. A 2017 study of over half a million 8th through 12th graders found the number of exhibiting high levels of depressive symptoms increased by 33% between 2010 and 2015. In the same period, the suicide rate for girls in that age increased by 65%. But it's fairly clear to us that social media is impacting the mental health of our teens. So in taking all of that information, what would you say that means for parents and guardians of the neighborhood church? First, that we need to eliminate the stigma that exists around mental health. And the second one is that we need to accept that these statistics are about us. We're not like far removed from them. This is for our teens. So first, we need to eliminate the stigma that exists around mental health. It doesn't make you... uh, any less ill than someone who's physically ill, except that you can't always see the symptoms. So as parents and guardians, we need to take seriously removing any stigma surrounding mental health issues in our homes, uh, and we need to take a biblical approach to mental health, which is bringing it to God and seeking help, not bottling it up or making people feel shame because of what they're going through. Because I hear parents say things like, I just don't get anxiety. I don't understand what it means when somebody says, I couldn't do it because I was experiencing a panic attack or anxiety. Um, And just, I got to say, don't let yourself live in that ignorance. Um, Do something about it to educate yourself because statistically, one third of our teens are dealing with anxiety or depression and maybe both. And so that even means if you have three teens in your household, the statistics would say that one of them is dealing with anxiety 
or depression or both. Yeah, we just need to make sure that parents are the ones that they're opening up to. Yeah. If you're not helping your teenager, somebody else is, and you don't get to vet who that is if it's online That's and right. you're not paying attention. So make your home a safe place to talk about mental health. But now I wanna talk about how we need to accept the statistics that we're reading as our reality. So we can't afford to think that these statistics are far removed from us or that they don't apply to us because in our city, in our neighborhood, in our church, in our families, almost a third of our teens are facing anxiety disorders and less than 10 years, or sorry, in less than 10 years, the number of our teens experiencing depression rose by 37%. And it's likely that almost 50% of our teens have hurt themselves in the last year. Mm. That means that if we have a group of about 60 students here for a youth night, like we do when we usually run youth, about 20 of them are facing not just anxious thoughts or dealing with, you know, thoughts of, you know, being uneasy, but an actual diagnosable level of an anxiety disorder or a depression, a depressive disorder. Your teenagers are not crazy. Mm -hmm. And if they're acting crazy or if you take away their cell phone and they become a monster, it means there's a problem. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean they're the problem. And so we need to work really hard to make sure that our teens feel safe and understood to open up because nobody deserves to feel like they're a burden in their own home. If your kid was like sick with pneumonia and had to be in bed for like a week or whatever because they're struggling with something, Like you wouldn't be like making them feel like you're such an inconvenience to me. It's like, oh, right now you're going to be sick. You know, like we're supposed to go on a trip or like, why can't you go out? You need to take mental health just as seriously as like a physical health issue. And so, you know, if your teenager is going through something, don't make them feel like garbage because they're not able to go out that day or because Mm -hmm. they're having to take time to rest and heal. Just be supportive, you know, bring them the proverbial cup of chicken noodle soup. So we just have some concluding thoughts. And basically we're gonna talk about two things that I think or we think can be uh, like an actual positive step forward moving ahead. And hopefully it sparks discussion in your home. So the first one, uh, become a safe and loving place for your teens to come to. Your teens need to feel like you are approachable when they have anxieties, fear, questions, problems, or any sort of issues to deal with in life. In my experience, the only thing that a guilt trip has done for teens is to make them less likely to come back and open up or to confess. Uh, So don't stop correcting or teaching, but the first response to whatever situation, the way you talk about issues they might be dealing with, tells them everything they need to know about whether they're gonna come and trust you with their thoughts and concerns. So work on yourself and your reactions and educate yourself about responding to mental health before you're confronted with it, before your teen comes and tells you that they're struggling. We also need to remember that parenting teenagers is different from parenting young children. Uh, They're a member of your team now. So this is where your parenting dynamic is going to dramatically shift and never be the same as it was, which is a very, very good thing and it should happen. Um, But now here at the beginning of teenage years, the adjustment from taking care of them by managing versus taking care of them by cooperating can be a harsh bump for lots of families moving into it. Uh, 
And the idea that parenting a teenager needs to be more of a team exercise, I think, is very important. Um, letting your team have the appropriate amount of autonomy and a voice in your family decisions, however large or small that might be for your specific family, and helping teens see why things are done a certain way is really important. Uh, these things can help your teenagers understand the world that they're going into as their mind expands from their roles and responsibilities solely to you, to their role in society and what their purpose is on the planet. Yeah, and we just, we want to say too that we're not telling you to let your like to let your teenagers run the race without you, mm -hmm. but just do all of this in balance of being their caretaker and taking responsibility for their lives and for their development. And that's one of the reasons why I really believe in family meetings, <laughs> which as I say that, I'm sure a couple shutters went down some backs. People were like, oh, family <laughs> meetings. Uh, these puppies can be annoying. Uh, they can feel like you're pulling teeth and they can cause a lot of frustration, but Family meetings can be the necessary training grounds for the team and they're a perfect place to create safety in conversation. So teens, don't be a jerk to your parents about this or your guardians or your other family members. Just let them be involved in your life, mm -hmm. take part in conversations uh, and let the people that care for you actually be able to have conversations with you. And parents, don't abuse this time of a family meeting to capture your teens for a lecture, uh, or, but make it a constructive time where everybody gets to be heard. Uh, let them influence the agenda. You're the parent, you're allowed to co-op any situation throughout the day and make changes. So just make this space a place where voices can be heard. Yeah, and so our second conclusion that we wanna share with you is to have clearly set and understood boundaries and expectations. Mm -hmm. So the number one rule about expectations is that it needs to be a two-way street. Right. So if your teenagers can't count on you uh, to uphold your end of the bargain, why would they even think about upholding theirs? Mm -hmm. Expectations need to be voiced and addressed by both the parents and guardians and the teenagers. <laughs> and now parents and guardians, this is where you can clearly and fairly express what you expect and uh, from your teenagers and hear the feedback before it's like just this open defiance <laughs> and rebellion. Um, if you expect phones to be away at 9 p.m., then let your teenagers know that and put your phone away at 9 p.m. Mm -hmm. It needs to be this uh, cooperation and then let them express their dissatisfaction with it mm -hmm. and either make compromises or don't, um, but make sure that those expectations of, of social media usage or mental health boundaries that you put in place, like just make sure that they're clearly communicated and that they're upheld by both ends of the party. Mm -hmm. And so, and express expectations before making dramatic changes and discuss the method to achieve the end goal. So for example, Ethan and I would tell you today to keep your phones out of your bedroom. Parents, teenagers, like nobody, nobody gets to have a phone in their bedroom at nighttime or for us in our household at all. Mm -hmm. Even if we're like just chilling out, phones don't make it into our bedroom. And so if you decide to do that, don't do it just like today and make people quit cold turkey because actually people are addicted to their cell phones and people do use their cell phones as a coping mechanism, parents and teenagers included. Yeah. And so start the process. Yeah. Start one day a week, uh, one night a week where you take your phones and at 9 p.m. you put them in a basket and nobody touches it again until 
like 7 or 8 a.m. the next day mm -hmm. or just like that's just an example mm -hmm. um, but just make sure that you're communicating it and express your desire for change and why the change is necessary um, and, and just start small mm -hmm. and you can talk about alternatives and make a game plan and then care enough to show up and follow through to get the results that you want because when it comes to taking control of social media and your tech habits um, it requires hard work yeah. and it requires some sacrifice mm -hmm. and it requires cooperation. Mm -hmm. And you might not like as a parent not having your phone with you at 9 p.m. It might be a coping mechanism for you. Yeah. But if you're not healthy, your teenagers won't be healthy. So yeah. take responsibility for your life and take responsibility for your tech usage and take responsibility for your teenagers. So we are so thankful that we've been able to share about this today. Uh, and remember that this is best utilized in your family as a starting place for discussion. So we would love to talk more. Alyssa and I, even if you want to email us or contact us, please do. Yes. And if you want any of the stats that we had today, mm. want access to any of them or want to learn more about this book, there's actually um, a list of 10 TechWise commitments for families. Mm -hmm. um, if you want that, uh, just text the number that's coming up on the screen, or, or if you want the stats or anything, um, just text oh. that number. It's popping up. It should be there below now, Magic. and we'll get that to you. Magic. Yes, uh, because we here at The Neighborhood care about families, mm -hmm. and even more than that, Alyssa and I as a family care about your teens. Uh, and so let's do our best for our teens. I just want to read really quick Ephesians 6, 4, which says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Parents and guardians, let's not make our teens' lives harder, but let's bring them up and care for them. That's our role. <laughs> <laughs>